Y'all be cool. Hey, the immortal words of Judy Brown. Happiness is a choice. We're happy. You're spending some time with us, Chip and Zay, on a free-for-all football Friday with all kinds of uh, other headlines mixed in. We'll be diving into the NFL playoff situation with our man, John McClain, at 2 o'clock. Um, but Zay, we talked about it yesterday as we were um, – you know, kind of wrapping up yesterday's show that Amari Nyblack was headed to Texas for a visit. And sure enough, he commits to the Texas Longhorns last night. And now you've got one of the best stretch the field tight ends um, who averaged 16 yards per reception at Alabama coming in. As JT Sanders is leaving, I don't know. Sounds like a pick up where you left off, reload situation, because you got Gunnar Helm, the do-it-all, who will block and be the be the lead blocker on counter plays and lead plays and serve as a receiving threat. Uh, my man Eric Henry at Horns247.com did a nice job kind of breaking down where Gunnar Helms' routes have been mostly within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage, uh, whereas Amari Nyblack, his receptions more along the lines of JT Sanders down the field. So that's a appears to be a nice pickup. Oh, it's huge, man. Like, I've been talking about this guy for a long time. I remember when we were previewing Alabama for week two when the Horns went and upset – the Crimson Tide in Tuscaloosa, 34 to 24. And that whole week, I kept bringing up Amari Nyblack. You know, a lot of people haven't heard of him, but just watching the film prior to that game and seeing the athleticism, like, on display, like, yeah, you knew this guy has a potential to be a big-time player, not only on the college level, but also on the next level. And when you see what Jeff Banks and Steve Sarkeesian have done with – JT Sanders and your coach leaves and Nick Saban, like, why wouldn't you want to be a part of that? Just like everybody else, you know, just like Kendrick Blackshear and Isaiah Bond. I mean, it only makes sense. Again, like we've been talking about Chip, it ain't tampering. Like Sark and Nick Saban, good friends. That's the homie. That's the mentor. Got that number on speed dial. So any person that Sark wants from that team, I'm sure Nick Saban's going to put in a good word for him. Like, I don't care what Lance told us yesterday about Nick Saban having his own office and this and that. Like, nah, at this point, Nick Saban going to look after for the homies, you know? And Sark meant a lot to him and his career and vice versa. So now th this shouldn't be no surprise. Again, Mari Nyblack, he's a stud. Like, that speed for somebody at that size, you don't see that very often. That's not just, you know, hanging around trees in the transfer portal or around the nation. Like those guys are, you know, one in a thousand. 
So, yeah, when you have a big-time player like JT Sanders, who is obviously going to the NFL draft, and I don't think he had the best year that he could have due to probably that ankle injury. But, man, picking up Amari Nyblack, and I have a lot of faith in Gunnar Helm, like a, a ton of faith. You talk about Eric Henry, who does a great job for Horns 24-7, what the article he wrote. Like, I'm right there with you. Like, Gunnar Helm needs to be a part of this. But the more weapons, the better. God forbid anybody go down. I wish Steve Sarkeesian would have played Gunner Helm more when you saw JT Sanders go down. Hopefully you live and you learn. But, yeah, picking up Amari Nyblack, who I thought was the third best tight end after Brock Bowers and JT Sanders last year, that is huge for this Texas staff. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, Steve Sarkeesian. He's the honey badger right now when it comes to – He's he getting everybody. Yeah. And everybody wants. People are like, oh, what about Caden Proctor? I'm like, now hold on. Texas did have the number one offensive line recruiting class in 2022. Cam Williams been waiting his turn. Let's see what Cam Williams has. You don't want to, you only want to add where it makes sense. And when you lose all that experience at receiver, it makes sense to bring in some veteran guys. Silas Bolden. Grad transfer. He's probably looking to pull off the same stuff that A.D. Mitchell did. Who knows? I mean, let's be honest. Matthew Golden is going to have to compete with Ryan Wingo to be the, the dominant outside receiver. You've got Isaiah Bond more like the worthy role. And... Silas Bolden is kind of like the receiver version of Keelan Robinson yeah. and Jonte Cook. I mean, Jonte Cook is a guy who's already in the system. He's learning inside and outside because we know in Sarkeesian's offense, you got to learn the whole thing. You got to learn the concepts. You have to know what everyone's doing on every play so that you are not, when you have an option route, you're not running into another route you got to know what you're doing and that's you know people i think worthy got kind of short sold on that he was a big time i mean he worked and he learned that offense and he learned it fast faster than most and let's see if isaiah bond silas bolden matthew golden come in and and pick up right where they left off from their offenses because they pick up this steve sarkeesian offense as quickly as Worthy did as a freshman. Remember, Worthy had 21 touchdown catches in 21 games. That's something I'll remember forever about him. That was impressive. Yeah. Yeah, Xavier Worthy was special, man. Like, I say what you want about him and that 2022 season where he was injured for who knows how long, but he always kept fighting. And for somebody that size, like this year, he really showed me something. When the ball was in his hands, that dude, he was aggressive. He was physical. Again, somebody that size, usually they shy away from contact. Usually they're about, you know, juking and going east and west more than north and south. Xavier Wordy was all about going north and south. And he was doing the head hunting and doing, you know, initiating contact when guys tried to, you know, knock him out and stuff. So, yeah, Xavier Wordy, 
probably the third best wide receiver in Texas history. When you look at the stats and the numbers and after Jordan Shipley and Roy Williams, I mean, X, he's right there. I mean, I'm sure CB and the rest of the people in our comment section and our code of text line will let me know otherwise. But, hey, Xavier Wordy, he got the job done in the three years, and hopefully he's going to get the fruits of his labor in this draft based off his production in college, because I think he's going to test through the charts at the combine. I think he's going to show everybody like, oh, man, this guy, he might be one of those ones, man, the Zay Flowers of the world. And, you know, going back to what you said, Chip, with Sark's offense and, you know, how everybody needs to know everything as the wide receiver core. I mean, back in the Alabama days, one of my favorite pictures ever of all time i forgot which receiver group was it i don't know if it was rugs or jerry judy or Devonte smith or jalen waddle but two of those guys were playing rock paper scissors on which one was going to run this route because they knew that was the td route and that was the first option whichever one mac jones or tua whoever the hell was running quarterback at the time they were playing rock, paper, scissors on, okay, you going to do this route? I'm going to do that route. All right, rock, paper, scissors. Oh, scissors, beats paper. I'm Jalen Waddle. I'm running this route. I'm going to get the touchdown. Like, that's what we want. That's what you want as a Texas fan. So everybody's trying to figure out, man, where's Jante going to be? Is Ryan Wingo going to be a part of this? Where are they going to put Matthew Golden and Isaiah Bond? At the end of the day, if you're a defensive coordinator, I hope you have those questions too. I hope you have no idea what the hell's going on and you have no idea where Sark's going to put anybody because versatility, that's what you need in this offense. Chris Jackson's looking for it. A.J. Milwee's looking for it. Steve Sarkeesian's looking for it. Quinn Ewer's damn sure looking for it. And if everybody's in sync, then this 2024 team could put up some serious numbers this season. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, Joe K says, definitely feeling better about our offense after losing Xavier Worthy, A.D. Mitchell, J.T. Sanders, Jordan Whittington, and Jonathan Brooks to the draft. Thanks for retiring, Nick. Yeah, Nick, again. Yeah. Great timing for Steve Sarkeesian's contract extension and great timing for Steve Sarkeesian to pick up some uh, very promising replacements for guys who are moving on from the Longhorns roster, especially on offense. But don't forget about Kendrick Blackshear, the incredibly athletic sideline to sideline linebacker who was progressing in um, the Alabama defense, is seen as an up and comer. And this is, I mean, that's a big time pickup too, because. Texas, while Leonga LaFau and, um, you know, Leonga LaFau and Samaje Burrell were the other linebackers in the class with Anthony Hill. And Burrell is seen as a really physical, I'm, I'm interested to see how he takes off in this spring. Because Burrell, this is the time for him to start making his case. and. I was told when they signed Burrell, you love his athleticism and his physicality. So let's see if he can start to make a push because um, 
We've heard a lot about Leonga Lafau at the Sugar Bowl Media Day. Jeff Choate said he is an elite pass dropper of Leonga Lafau. Said that he has a sixth sense about where to drop into coverage to always take away the route he's supposed to take away. What do you think of that, Zay? Uh, we, we, yeah, we've discussed this before. Why are he playing then? I know. That don't make any sense to me. That's if he's out here reading coverages like Junior Seau, why ain't the boy playing? You know, Jeff Choate, who just picked up um God, who did he just pick up in the portal from the horns? Like, oh Keaton Crawford. Yeah. Like going to Nevada with Jeff Choate, like yeah. salute to Keaton. Shout out to him. But, I, yeah, I can't – I don't understand why coaches say that. I mean, I, we're in the era of you want to say anything just to keep these guys around and just stop them for entering the transfer portal. So you got to big them up and give them a lot of confidence and praise, even though that might not be accurate. But, damn, when I hear that, I'm wondering, I mean, there could have been times you put them in there. Michael Penix was throwing it everywhere. Maybe he could have got a pick, something. You know, but hey, we'll see. Love David Bender coming back. He had a solid fifth year. And he ain't going to be like Brock Cunningham in the sixth year and give you absolutely nothing. Like, he's going to be, shoot, this guy looks like he's trying to get to the NFL. Slitter his way in there, put enough film on him and Anthony Hill. David Bender, Anthony Hill, I'm liking that right now. I really am. Well, and if – Okay, if you didn't want to take Jalen Ford off the field, and I get it, Jalen Ford, four interceptions in 2022. That's a dude who always seemed to be in the right place at the right time. Three forced fumbles in 2022. Didn't quite have the same year in 2023, partly because teams had more film to to try and game plan Jalen Ford into situations where he wasn't as comfortable as he was in 2022. But Jeff Choate said that Leonga Lafau provides a good ying to Anthony Hill's yang. And it sounds to me like Leonga Lafau is sort of a middle linebacker. Like that's his predominant position. So that would make sense if you didn't want to take Jalen Ford off the field for Leonga LaFau, but now he's battling for that middle linebacker position with David Benda. Cause I think you have to have Anthony Hill who can also play middle and is pretty much a like, to the mold fit at middle, but he's so athletic and so dynamic you can have him at weak side. You can have him at strong side. You want to have position flexibility with, with Anthony Hill. So I think the battle is Leonga LaFau and David Benda in the middle. And, and if they're interchangeable, even better, because then the offense is like, you know, you're always trying to identify the mic. If you can't identify the mic or if you can disguise that, Man, that helps. I mean, mostly RPO situations, you're just counting guys in the box. But they they needed more depth, and they need Leong LaFau to be a guy who can come on the field and be a plus player for them. 
And he's a guy to watch in the spring for sure with Jalen Ford moving on, no doubt. Yeah, that's going to be one of the funnest things about this team. Like who's going to step up that came in as a freshman is going to take that sophomore jump, you know, like that's that's going to be key for this team and some of the positions. I mean, Kendrick Blackshear, who knows how they use him, you know, who knows how Pete Kwiatkowski and Nansen want to go about using him. Like, is he more, since he's so athletic, is he more of a Mo Blackwell type? Which is Mo Blackwell. He's back, right? Yeah. Yeah. So let's not forget about him. You right. know, that's a dude right. that missed four weeks. Like, who knows if he would have progressed a little more, if he was healthy the whole season, if the, you know, coaches, staff would have had more confidence if he was available because he came in right when Big 12 play basically started. So he could have a bounce back year. Like, and he was a sub package guy. Like, he, he came in on third downs when they would move Anthony Hill up on the line when Burke was hurt. And that was a good package for Texas. Um, they they had Mo Blackwell in there on on passing downs because he's a former safety, but yet he hits. I'm excited to see Mo Blackwell and look Johnny Nansen coming in as the new linebackers coach. He's going to have some ideas, and he and Pete Kwiatkowski worked together at Montana State. It was a long time ago, but I think they know how to talk to each other. They know how to communicate. Jeff Choate. And Pete Kwiatkowski worked together at Boise and Washington. I mean, that was a great fit. That worked out really well for Texas. And now you bring in Johnny Nansen, who also has history with Kwiatkowski. It's funny. People saw Kwiatkowski at the press conference for the Sugar Bowl. And he's not, you know, he's not a wow guy, right? When he talks, he's not a guy who... You're like, oh man, I get why I'd run through a wall. He's low key. And sometimes he's like, sounds like he's mumbling a little bit, but he's, everyone says he's the, he's the mad scientist that he's not the rah rah guy. He's not the in, in your face guy. He's the, the quiet guy who's putting it all together in the lab. So, Look, the defense took a big step last year against the run. Now they got to maintain that without Tavondre Sweat, without Byron Murphy. You're putting it in the hands of Alfred Collins and Vernon Broughton and guys like Sadir Mitchell, Jare Bledsoe. I, I know Texas is still looking in the portal uh, for another defensive tackle after the Jamari Caldwell um recruitment went sideways with Bo Davis going to LSU. So uh, I think everyone's ecstatic about the offense. Now we got to see where Texas is on defense. Let me, uh, let me tell you about Appalachian real quick. Cause look, it's the new year. How about a new car and getting into a, a better car than you thought you could afford. How's that sound? Because that's what's going on. When you lease from Apple Leasing, you're picking any maker model of car and you're getting into a better car than you thought you could afford because you're not paying for the future trade-in value of that car. So for those of you who are like me, I only bought used cars because I didn't want to pay for a new car and have drive it off the lot and have it drop thousands of dollars. 
So lease from Apple leasing, you're going to love it. You've never had a new car experience like this. No one's going to hassle you because they don't care what car you pick. They just want you to be happy. And you, if you had a bad leasing experience in the past, it's probably because you leased from a dealership and maybe you didn't end up liking that car as much as you thought. And then when you wanted to get out of that lease, there were penalties and blah. That doesn't happen at Apple leasing. You get into a make and model a car. If you don't like it, you can change. Change make and model of car. No problem. The easy lease allows for that flexibility. So simple at Apple Leasing. Just give them a call. 346-9977. Visit AppleLeasing.com. Tell them Chip Brown sent you. And cover three. Great spot to check out all the games this weekend. Lions fans. Um, Cover three. Right there on Anderson Lane up in Round Rock. Cover two at 183 in Lake Creek. Brunch on the weekends is to die for. Um, I love those cinnamon muffin tops, the do-it-yourself Bloody Mary bar. You just, you could set up shop at Cover 3 all day for all the games. That's what I'm talking about. And Brain Vault Mouth Guard. Brain Vault, this is the answer. This is the mouth guard everybody's talking about. This is the mouth guard Bijan Robinson wears. And your competitors need to be wearing it too. Developed right here in Austin, Texas. Proven, patented. Uh, to reduce the effects of concussion, Dr. Greg Eckert came up with it, Dr. U-E-C-K-E-R-T. Um, and look, if you're the coach, the manager, just go to brainvault.com, set up a fitting. They will do group fittings. They will come to you for group fittings. Go to brainvault.com. All right, Zay. Um, I got to say, last night I went to the Texas men's tennis uh, they're number three in the country. They were playing number one, Virginia. And it was a great match. Um, Texas ended up losing 4-3. The final match came down to a third set. And um, Texas was without one of its singles players. So I think if they see each other again down the road, Texas men's tennis. I'm just going to give them a shout out because um, I think they're a force to be reckoned with. I also want to give a shout out to Dustin. Dustin, who listens to us every day. I found out I bumped into him yesterday and he's like, Hey man, I, I love the new show. Love you and Zay. I'm like, well, let's go. Hey, that's so Dustin, Thanks, appreciate Dustin. you, man. Appreciate you. For sure, man. Um, yes, and Chris Bennett, greatest volunteer producer in the history of radio. History. Sean Adams Prime Rib Sandwich, baby. Cover three staple. Just go and try that and get the Parmesan fries and then start exploring the rest of the menu. Man. Love it. For our man, Sean Adams, RIP. Sean Adams. Listen, say... I want to give you a chance to kind of expound. I thought you were brilliant yesterday in talking about Rodney Terry and how he needed to apologize um, for his over the overreaction to UCF basketball players doing horns down in the handshake line. Um, I didn't see an apology from RT. Did you? 
I didn't. Um, when's his next? Does he have a presser, like a Twitch one soon, or is that already done this week? I think it was. I don't know the schedule with that because it when he does, he could do it then. Well, I think it's going to be after the Baylor game tomorrow. Yeah, Baylor. Not too late. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's never too late, but the longer he waits, the worse it is, you know. And if, maybe he just straight up doesn't think he did anything wrong. Maybe he just straight up just thinks, hey, I love this university. I have a lot of pride. Don't disrespect my players and I – or, you know, the university as a whole – Again, I don't agree with it. Let Johnny Dawkins discipline his players. You worry about yours, especially with the way y'all are playing. That's it. You know, point blank period. Like, just get back to the drawing board. That energy that you threw at those UCF players throwing the horns down, you should be taking that to the locker room and letting them know, hey, you see how they're disrespecting us? You see how these teams feel about us? And those words across the front of your jersey, and you gonna let that ride? That's that's again the refs ain't giving you none. You know that that just comes with the territory. You see it with the football team. Saw it these last few years. Like the refs ain't gonna give you nothing. We're probably gonna look at that free throw stat every game and see that the opposing team probably shot more than Texas took. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to be smart. You got to be disciplined. You can't just you can't just go out there and hoop. Like, you got to play hard for the whole 40 minutes. And Ronnie Terry, he has to put the best five out there. Like, Kendall Weaver getting four minutes, that's unacceptable. He plays too yeah. hard for it to do yeah, that. that I mean, you know? And thanks, Scott. Thanks for the thanks for the shout-out. Yes, thank you, Scott. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, this is – look, this is nut-cutting time for, for Rodney Terry. He's he's got to figure out the roles on this team and get guys to buy into them because the fact that we're having this conversation um, after a one and three start in Big Twelve play with six straight ranked opponents coming up, like this is a big time crossroad for Rodney Terry in his coaching career right now. Like people are like, well, come on, he just it's his first year as the head coach. No. Like, if if the fans stop believing and and apathy starts to set in, it it can be a real short-lived career at, at Texas. It can be a short-lived stint at yeah. Texas. It won't be a career, it'll be a stint. Ooh. And and look, everyone loves. Rodney Terry. I love RT. Mm -hmm. But this is a business, man. They don't yeah. call it show friends. They call it show business. My man, <laughs> Sean, my man Sean used to say. Yeah. And it's it's a great heartfelt story for Rodney Terry that he got the job because he oversaw a team built by Chris Beard and Took him to the Elite Eight. Probably should have reached the Final Four up 13 with 12 minutes to play against Miami without Dylan DeZue. Um, but it didn't work out that way. He still ended up getting the job. And it's it's crunch time. It's crunch time. Rodney Terry's got to perform under pressure. And he's got to make his players feel 
like they're playing with confidence and energy and not under pressure because once look players you know this as a coach's son players are like kids they pick up when there's tension they pick up when things are not going right or sounding right or if the behavior changes in their coach or parent so this is what it's all about and rt got his dream job and now he's got a he's got to call on those same you know forces that helped him get the job yeah whatever spiritual spirit leaders is you know his dad's presence whatever he's got to make it happen yeah, and we all know his track record, UTEP, Fresno State, not very good. Not very good. This isn't like a Kalen DeBoer situation where Kalen DeBoer won and D2 or NAI, wherever the hell he came from at Sioux Falls, and then just kept winning at every stop that he took. No, Coach Terry, he made his way of being a really, really good assistant for guys like Rick Barnes which he had Texas pride. So he understands the state and he understands recruiting here and he understands the university, which is kind of weird when you look at it, the UCF thing, but whatever, I digress a little bit, but you know, those are big reasons why he got the job and what he proved in this last season, 2023. And I'm not going to sit here and count out Chris Del Conte, like Chris Del Conte. He ain't no dummy. CDC has made some really, really good moves since he was hired as the athletic director. So having Ronnie Terry in, I'm, I'm going to buy into that. Like sometimes guys need a couple of years, even though he had that really good season, which everybody's still riding that high from. Like this team right here, there's just not a lot of guys that are very good. Like it's just sometimes – Hey, you look at the Big 12 and just how stacked it is, and you see the talent. That's what's frustrating. But all in all, the offense that Coach Terry runs, the only person that it suits Chip is Max Asmus. That's it. That's the only person that benefits from the offense that Coach Terry runs, which is an offense to where if you don't have guys that can shoot the ball on the move, you're going to struggle. That's why you see Dylan Mitchell struggling at times. Like Dylan DeSue, it fits him too. Because he's so versatile. So, excuse me, Dylan DeSue and Max Asmus. Tyrese Hunter, he struggles in it because he wants to take spot-up threes. It's hard to take spot-up threes when you're continuously coming off pick and rolls and coming off dribble handoffs and taking on ices from, you know, pick and roll defenses and taking on double teams and stuff like you're the point guard also, so you have to be an off-the-dribble shooter. Like, I don't know one great point guard that was just a good spot-up shooter. That's not a thing. Like, you literally have the ball in your hands on the move as you dribble the ball up the court. Yes, you have to be a good off-the-dribble shooter. And sometimes he's solid in the mid-range, but what Coach Terry's throwing those screens out there for are threes. They're, you know, they're at the perimeter. So when you're coming off a screen, you're at the three-point line. And now you have to do a couple of more moves just to get to your sweet spot. And this is the Big 12. They're not going to let you get to your sweet spot. So Tyrese Hunter, that's the struggle we're seeing in him. But that doesn't mean you don't play him for 30-something minutes. You still play him for 30-something minutes, Coach Terry. 20-something minutes for Tyrese Hunter, you don't have enough. You don't you don't have enough off the bench to do that. And Brock's cutting, Brock's Cunningham's minutes, they have to go. I'm going to keep saying it. I have to say it. They have to go. Until he starts knocking down shots, because that's when you can play Brock. 
when he's hitting that spot up three, which again, the offense that they run, it doesn't fit Brock to make those spot up threes because he's constantly setting screens and rescreening and handing the ball off to the guards and rolling and popping. And that's too much movement for Brock. He has to be still. That wind has to be perfect. The laces in the ball has to be right for him to shoot it. Like a lot of things have to be going correct for Brock Cunningham to knock down jumpers. So I just defense at the end of the day, they always got to overhelp for Max Acemas. That's going to continue to be a problem. And this Baylor matchup isn't good either because Ray J. Dennis and Jacoby Walker, those dudes are studs. So is none. So is Langston Love coming off the bench. I've been watching Langston Love since he was in the fifth grade. He was that same size, around six three, six foot something in the fifth grade. He's always been good coming out of the San Antonio area. And he tore his ACL right when he got to Waco. And now he's back and looks good coming off the bench for him. Like it could get ugly again tonight if Texas lets it. And hopefully this team can understand like, oh, man. If we don't play for the full 40, we could get embarrassed and teams could come back like UCF when you're up by 16 and you're up by 12 going into halftime. Those things can continue to happen. They got to get it correct. We're going to talk about the most difficult players to replace from the Texas football team here in a second. But have you seen Baylor? Baylor basketball? What? Yeah. Like quick thoughts on how they match up with Texas? Um, Texas matches up horribly. (laughs) Like, you know, like Baylor has good physical guards. They're going to have to try to hide Max Acemas. I don't know on who. Um, None, maybe, you know, but he's a good shooter. Jalen Nunn, he's shooting 41% from three. So if they allow dribble penetration from Ray J. Dennis, who Ray J. Dennis averaging around six assists a game, about 14 points like he's good man he reminds me a lot of uh jared butler who won the national championship with them a few years ago like he's one of those scott drew guards and then jacoby walter that dude's gonna be a first round pick in the league this upcoming season six five long the thing about him he will take bad freshman quality shots just because he doesn't know any better You know, he has a ton of talent and he'll hit a lot of those shots too. And you'll be like, damn, that's NBA talent. I get it. But then he'll take some shots where you're like, dude, that's not even close to what Scott Drew wants in the offense. Like you're just shooting it just to shoot it. And Keandre George, he was like that last year. He kind of shot Baylor out of games at times. And now he's starting for the Utah Jazz at point guard and having a hell of a rookie season. So Scott Drew, he's great at developing guards and they're always going to be good. And, you know, when I see a matchup like this, I just think of Max Acemas being attacked over and over and over again to where you kind of saw in the UCF game, Chip, when you get attacked that many times, when it comes down to the last five minutes, those legs that you had early on to shoot the ball, they ain't there as much because you're working so hard defensively. You're getting post up. They're taking you to the hole and stuff, giving you that booty and shit. Like, it's a physical game. Max Ace misses weighs the same amount as Bucky Godbolt. So you kind of <laughs> like it, he's realizing, oh, man, the Big 12, I better take care of my body because it's getting real. And, you just killed Max Ace. Every team that sees him, they're going to keep attacking him. You just killed Max yeah. Ace, comparing him to Bucky Gobble. Yo, the dude can hoop. 
the dude's an absolute what he could do at his size offensively is different. Like he just passed Larry Bird, like all time score. Like, come on, Larry Legend, Hick from French Lick, that dude could ball. Oh. So if you pass him up in anything, you're a true hooper. But there's a reason why Max Aismith isn't going to be able to get to the next level, and it's because of his size, man. You know, I know people compare him to Trey uh, Young, and I get that. Like, I see that comparison for show, but Trey Young is a ridiculous passer. Like, go back to Trey Young's freshman year. I remember seeing Oklahoma come into the Irwin Center. Trey Young had a bad game. You look at the stat sheet, he had like 15 points and 14 assists, and that was a bad game for him as a freshman. Like Trey Young is a special player, and I he gets on my nerves sometimes because he's a sooner and it's just you know he's a sooner. But that dude, like perennial all star, you know what I'm saying? And he gets exposed in the league. Every team that plays the Atlanta Hawks, they go at Trey Young. He has to deal with it. You know that's just what it is when you're playing this sport and you don't have the size to deal with some guys, man. Larry Bird, by the way, played three years at Indiana State. Oh, damn. Max Asmus is on his. No three-point line years. either, right? But. That was no three-point line either, right? Right. <sighs> Shit. How about that? Yo, he's. I, I, I don't think people give Larry Bird enough love. I agree. I, I don't. Magic I, always did. Yeah, Magic always did. And Magic, like, like, because Larry Bird was an asshole. Like, he was a bit of a dick, you know? Well, he yes. was confident. He was, but he wasn't good with the media. You know, he was very right. low key. No, he like, that's, that's, that didn't really make him as marketable as he could have been. You know what I'm saying? And Luca kind of has that in him. Luca, he Luca, he'll laugh every once in a while, but you'll see Luca and you'll be like, oh, that's that dude ain't the nicest guy in the world. And that's just the competitive nature. I want my guys to have that, but also, you know, like sometimes they can get slept on to the casuals out there because of it. And it's unfortunate. Yeah, Larry was always all about ball. Period. All about ball. He was about his teammates. And get into the court to practice or play and was all about ball. And if you are like, come on, what are y'all talking about? Just go to YouTube and watch a, a highlight reel from Larry Bird and the hustle and the awareness and the court presence and always being in the right place at the right time. The no look passes. Guy was an unbelievable passer um, in addition to being a great scorer, but digress. Let's get to this hardest players to replace for the Texas Longhorns football team from 2023, Zay. If I, because I wrote about this, um, and I'm going to give you some names. We'll start with the most difficult to replace. And I think it's Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy. And then I'd have A.D. Mitchell third. Yeah. Your thoughts. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. Especially, I think, you know, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, now that 
you got this wide receiver group in now. Right. It might. It doesn't I, that's what I was going to say. It, it doesn't. The it doesn't hurt as much. Again, I don't want to discount Ad Mitchell at all. Like what he the show he put on. That's what I'm saying. He's a lifetime longhorn. I know some of y'all hate on that, but he deserves to be with the effort and the production that he showed Saturday in, Saturday out. So yeah, he, he deserves to be there. But now that wide receiver room. I don't know, man. It's a little thick, and I love Vernon Braun and Alfred Collins, but both of those guys are still pretty unproven consistently. Yeah. No, I think, you know, Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy kind of speak for themselves. We've talked about how difficult it is to have difference-making interior linemen, guys who can help take you to a college football playoff. You think about the plays that Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy made all year, and I don't think there was any bigger play than the third and one at Houston where Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy combined to uh, to stuff that run and bring up fourth and one where Houston tried to throw it and it was incomplete. Um, otherwise, that day could have gone completely sideways. And, um, and then A.D. Mitchell, I agree with you. Knowing now what, you know, Texas is bringing in in the portal, because I had, at number four, I had Jonathan Brooks. And, you know, people might think, well, that's high. But with Jonathan Brooks, the way that he, his contact balance, the fact that more than half of his 1,139 yards came after contact, like 732 of those 1139 yards came after contact which tells you he was making guys miss at the line of scrimmage um and you could he was the kind of guy you could put the game plan in his lap and run the ball and the guy averaged 6.1 a carry he caught 25 passes um I thought Jonathan Brooks was the MVP of the offense when he got hurt. Yeah. And now everyone will be like, are you kidding? Do you see what Quinn did in the big 12 title game? I get it. But Jonathan Brooks kind of took the thinking out of the offense. If like you and I talked about, would Sarkeesian have abandoned the script and just handed the ball to Jonathan Brooks against Washington. And God, I want to, I pray the answer is yes, but I don't know. I don't know if it's yes. I mean, if I'm to charge choice coming into this season, CJ Baxter and Jaden Blue, hey, the performance that y'all showed at the Sugar Bowl, you can chalk it down as y'all low-key lost the game. I mean, Washington goes and scores. It's 28-21, very next play, fumble. C.J. Baxter, and then Washington ends up going, you know, up 13, and Texas is having to play catch-up from there on out. So I know all this wide receiver hype is there, but the Horns, they didn't go in the transfer portal for no running back, and they easily could have due to Jonathan Brooks leaving. Like, that kind of says a lot about Steve Sarkeesian and Deshard Choice's trust in the running back room that's already available. And I've seen pictures of Jared Gibson. Holy shit. That dude's built like Priest Holmes already. Already, before even, like, 
touching any type of collegiate weights. I know they're in the system now. They've been in school for a week now. But, yo, that picture that I saw of Jerry Gibson and C.J. Baxter and all those running backs, uh, Jerry Gibson stands out. And Hank South, he's been preaching Jerry Gibson for a while with us. And we kind of just been like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. We'll see the guy when we see him. But, yo, that's a that's a different body. <laughs> like, I was at all when I saw that dude. I was like, yo, that dude is built like an absolute tank. And, again, Hanks also said he can maybe come in and get some early reps. Like, he wouldn't be surprised with the production that he had at the IMG Academy, which is basically like a pro football team in itself. But, yeah, man, like, the, I – Jonathan Brooks was – crazy miss and if the sugar bowl doesn't isn't a prime example of how much he was missed i don't know what is i hope the running back room really knows what they're getting themselves into in 2024 and you know what they have to pick up after with jay brooks leaving to the nfl at number five most difficult longhorns to replace from the 2023 season jatavian sanders and now, <laughs> now with Amari Nyblack committed as of last night, and someone told you yesterday things were trending in the right direction, but I had Jalen Ford at number six, and maybe you move Jalen Ford up and Jatavian Sanders down, knowing now that Amari Nyblack's rolling in. Yeah, I think so. You know, um, I mean, Amari Nye Black, the athleticism that he's bringing to this team, like he might have been faster than JT Sanders. He doesn't have necessarily the tight end body that JT Sanders has, but hey, you let us know this week or in the pro football focus, he was a better blocker. And they blocked probably a lot more since they had Jalen Milrow in different scenarios than Texas did. I mean, I don't know. We we have to go look at the stats in the film, but I would imagine they did with Amari Nyblack out there, even though he's a big time deep threat. But you got to give Gunner love, uh, Gunner Helm love too. Um, I think that guy, even if Amari Nyblack didn't come, I think he would have had a big year. And now it's just going to make life even easier for him. I mean, he definitely has to step on Nye Black just because he knows the system and knows what Jeff Banks and Sarkeesian need from him game after game. But, yeah, I, JT Sanders being at five, uh, you might have to push that back. I love JT. and He had a great career here at Texas, but Nye Black and Gunner Helm, not too many well, tight rooms around the nation got that. Well, at number seven, I had Worthy. Number eight, punter Ryan Sanborn, who averaged 45.7 yards per punt, and you never worried about Texas's punting game. And at number nine, Jordan Whittington. And number 10, Ryan Watts. And Watts didn't have the Sugar Bowl he wanted, Probably didn't have the second half of the season he wanted because of the injuries. But Ryan Watts had a really good 2022 season. Um, was just a lock-in boundary corner. Now, he was good if he could get his hands on you. If 
if you got by him in coverage, he was a little, little more suspect. I think Malik Muhammad is going to be just fine as your boundary corner next year. So speaking, speaking of um, Muhammad, what's the word? What's the word? What's the word on Kinfo Cuzzo? You know, yeah. what's the word on Jabbar? Because I, I saw some things on social media. You know, we had Lance on yesterday, and Lance was like, I mean, Alabama, they should be, you know, the favorite. And what Lance was saying was making sense. You know, Lance, very credible source for us. So I, I'm buying what Lance is pitching. But what I saw, I don't know. Everything just makes too much sense. You don't have to. You, you, Kind of like Bo Davis. Think about Bo Davis' situation. Why was a big reason that Bo Davis went back home? To be with his son. Family's important to some people. So if you're Jabbar Muhammad, to play with your cousin that you've known since you were in Pampers, come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. All right. Let's dive into these NFL playoffs, kids. And, of course, my man Zay and I will have our picks a little bit later in the show. Zay last week went five and one. I went one and five. The <laughs> both, both of us, the one game we got right was the Houston Texans. We both took the Texans to get it done against the Cleveland Browns. And joining us now, the ultimate insider, the ultimate NFL Houston Texans insider, the legend. The general, John McClain of SportsRadio610.com, where he's just pumping out incredible content about all things Houston. General, how you doing? I'm fine. Are you guys picking against the spread or straight up? Against the spread. Okay, I picked the uh, Texans to lose by four, and they were two-point underdogs, so I blew that one, and I picked the Ravens. We were favored by nine and a half to win by seven, 27 to 20 people here begging me not to pick the Texans. And I said, okay, I won't. <laughs> well, John, the Texans are going to lead things off tomorrow at what? Three 30. They are nine and a half point dogs. I'm going to pick them again to cover that line, but maybe even to win outright, John. Give me your thoughts on this matchup. Well, I think the Ravens are going to win. The only way the Texans would have a chance, I believe, Baltimore rested its starters before the last game, so then they had to buy weeks. So they a lot of them had, had really three weeks without playing. And it's a big game for Lamar Jackson. He's won one playoff game. He's about to win his second MVP. He's 1-3 in the playoffs, 0-2 in the divisional round. He's a great regular season quarterback. But to be a great quarterback overall, you got to win in the playoffs, and I think they will. You know, Baltimore won first game 25-9. Both teams have changed considerably since that point, and uh, especially the Texans. But uh, that seems so long ago. It seems like a couple of years ago. And Baltimore has the number one rushing team, the number one team in sacks, number one in points allowed, fourth in points scored, tied for first in turnover differential. Texans have committed the fewest turnovers. And uh, so it reminds me of 2011. Texans won their first division title under Gary Kubiak 
and they beat Cincinnati here in the wild card round. Then they went to Baltimore and they lost by seven. Now they had TJ Yates, a rookie quarterback, but he he threw three interceptions. Joe Flacco beat him. And uh, so I think it's going to be more like that. That's why I picked it seven. That was D'Amico Ryan's last game as a Texan. And if the Texans were to pull a shocking upset over the Ravens, who are the best record in the NFL, then that would be the first time since the 1979 Oilers, the Houston's had a team in the AFC Championship game. It's the fifth time the Texans have been in the divisional round, or 4 obviously. And uh, if they could win one more, stun the country, you know, shock the nation, boy, you talk about destiny's darlings. Then they'd have to go to Buffalo or Kansas City, another tough road game. But uh, it's been fun. If they lose, people would dis- be disappointed. But, man, when you look back on the season – it would have been a resounding success. Yeah. Yeah, John, and we all know it starts with C.J. Stroud. I mean, you just can't say enough about the rookie of the year when you go for 16-21, 274 yards and three touchdowns, zero interceptions in your first ever playoff game. I mean, there's something about this Texas team, and they know they have nothing to lose. Like, all the pressure's on Baltimore, and there's such a just free, like, mindset and just an easy way of thinking and going into a game to where – Again, you have nothing to lose. All you can do is play hard and see what the results, what happens. Sometime a young team with a young quarterback, they they kind of full of bravado and they don't know what they don't know. They don't think they don't think about the pressure. They think they're going to conquer the world. You know, the Ravens are under a lot of pressure. Now they're good. They may be the best team in the NFL. And they may win the Super Bowl. Talking about stats for, for uh, CJ Stroud. I have two columns on sportsradio610.com. I've written the different things about Stroud. And one of them, uh, he was he has played uh, 13 games against the teams. I'm sorry, 10 games against teams that finished with winning records. In those 10 games, he's 7-3. He averages 309-yard passing, and he has 21 touchdowns and two interceptions. And he's on a pair of streaks. He threw 191 passes to begin the season before he had an interception. Now he's at 169. I mean, he may go up there and throw five against the Ravens, but he's only thrown interceptions in three games. And one, he threw three and he won over Arizona. So he's still, he's, I thought the boy, I picked him to lose against Cleveland. They win 45 to 14. He was magnificent. He threw for 236 yards in the first half. And then they had the two pick sixes in the second half, and they called off the dogs, and they didn't do much throwing. He might have thrown 500 yards. That was against the NFL's number one defense, number one pass defense. It all started with their offensive line. The offensive line played its best game of the season. Miles Garrett was dominated by Laramie Tunsil, just dominated. Cleveland media was so killing Miles Garrett because it's like he went back to College Station and didn't come to the game he was dominated so much and Derek Stingley Jr. who's been fabulous he totally shut down Amari Cooper Cooper had 11 catches 265 yards and two touchdowns here on Christmas Eve and in this game uh, according to next gen stats Stingley covered Amari Cooper on 83 percent of the snaps and he had one catch for minus six yards wow John in that 
first game of the season and you wrote about five things to watch uh, in this Texans Ravens playoff game tomorrow at 3 30. Uh, you can read John's uh, column at sportsradio610.com. In that first meeting, Stroud got sacked five times, and you just talked about how well the offensive line played in protecting him from Cleveland's pass rush. How, where has, where have the Texans made the most progress from that season opening 25 to nine loss to the Ravens? They lost and they gave up five sacks in that game. In the next game against Indianapolis, they gave up six and they lost that and they started 0-2 and, and gave up 11 sacks and they're 11-5 and five since then. And Stroud has improved at getting rid of the ball. Sometimes he'll take a long sack by look, trying to avoid the rush to find a receiver. And that's what young quarterbacks do. You know, a lot of veterans do that. Case Keenum did that when they got – beat by Cleveland. And so he doesn't do it as much as he did. He's really good about getting rid of the ball. One of the things I like about Stroud, if you watch his highlights, when he throws the ball, everybody follows the ball. But if you watch him, there are times in the last two games when he's gotten drilled and he saw it coming, and yet he's thrown perfect passes. That is so impressive, not just for a rookie quarterback, but any quarterback to know you're about to get your teeth kicked in and you still throw a pinpoint pass and he's fearless and he's very poised. And of course we all know he's been accurate and he doesn't make bad decisions. Now, Baltimore under defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald, Baltimore is great at, at uh, faking blitzes. They have three players with at least nine sacks. They lead the NFL with 60 and they're great at disguising their blitzes. Sometimes they'll show one side, go to the other. Sometimes they'll show up to middle, go outside. Sometimes everybody will drop and they'll rush three or four. And they've been outstanding doing that. And he has been better until this last game, better against zone coverage than man. And then last week he was better against man. because I don't know why, because he doesn't have Tank Dell. He doesn't have Noah Brown. Those were the second and third receivers. Now his receivers or Robert Woods and Nico Collins had a great game and it helps when you it helps when your tight ends average 52 yards a catch because each tight end Brevin Jordan and Dalton Schultz had one catch each for a 76 and uh 37 yard touchdown. So and then they didn't throw it much in the second half. Texans would would it would be very wise of them to rush for 100 yards because they're 6 and 1 when they rush for 100, 3 and 0 with Devin Singletary it's triple digits, but they're still not good at running the ball because of injuries up front and because the offensive line is just not very good at run blocking and because the offensive line and the backs, other than Devin Singletary, have struggled with the zone scheme. That's why you can't find Damian Pierce anywhere but uh, returning kickoffs because he just hasn't figured out the zone scheme, and I don't think he's going to do it by tomorrow. But uh, And the Texans' defense, they are healthier than they've been. The Ravens are only missing two players that they wish they had, tight end Mark Andrews and cornerback uh, Minka Fitzpatrick. And the Texans, one of the reasons they get beat down the field on, on deep routes until Sunday, last Saturday, is their three backup, their three safeties other than Jalen Petrie, were all signed off the street because they lost their second, third, and fourth safeties 
for the year. We were on injured reserve. So if you get time to go deep on them, and it's not Derek Stingley Jr. covering the wideout, you isolate uh, one of your guys on a safety, you got a chance of hitting a long pass. John, talk to us a little about a little bit about Derek Stingley Jr. because it was so easy for Texas fans to write him off due to the season that Sauce Gardner had in 2022, being an All-Pro and then going, you know, a pick after Stingley, and then Stingley ended up getting injured. And you hear about all his injury history at LSU, and now it looks like that pick has paid off. The only time that Stingley was healthy at LSU was as a freshman when they went unbeaten and won the national championship. And he got so much recognition. People said that kid could play in the NFL right now. And then he had injuries. He was in and out of the lineup and he wasn't as good when he was in because all the problems were with his wheels. So they draft him second overall. Sauce Gardner's the pick right after him, or was it third overall, third overall. And, um, so he comes in and he can't participate fully in camp because he's hurt. So by the time he's healthy, he falls behind. Then he plays. They didn't use him right. And then he gets a hamstring injury, misses the last nine games. So he, he works really hard in the offseason. Miko Ryan said after he got hired and he came to Energy Stadium and he went in the locker room, there was one player in there working out every day. Derek Stingley Jr. So he starts the season, looks good, then boom, gets another hamstring injury. Every And they started 0-2. Everybody says Nick Casario should be fired. You know, he's Kenyon Green last year, he traded up to get him, and he's on the IR, didn't do anything as a rookie starter. Now Derek Stingley Jr., what a waste of a draft. <laughs> and so he goes, he goes on IR, he comes back, and he has been fabulous. And he was voted uh, AFC Defensive Player of the Week last week, but Player of the Month last week. And I can't tell you how good he's looked. And that's why they drafted him. And, of course, as he has on a lot of the players he's brought in that people blasted him for, uh, that most of them have worked out. And the coaching has a lot to do with that. But Nick Casario and D'Amico Ryan's work really well together. And people are pumped about free agency. Right now, they have the fourth most cap dollars. Most of that's going to have to be spent keeping their guys. And uh, they also have Cleveland's number one pick. I think it's something that's very interesting. And I'm sorry if I've told you guys this before. But when Casario, after he drafted Stroud and everybody in Houston, went crazy because quarterback was by far the biggest need. But then when he traded up with Arizona for the third spot to get Will Anderson Jr., premier pass rusher coming out of college and Anderson solved their second biggest need. Everybody celebrated. And I remember what reading and watching a lot of national people that said they gave up too much. They gave up their number one pick. It could be first, second, or third next year. Arizona is going to get the first two picks. They're going to take Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. And their franchise is going to be turned around. And now the pick that the Texans are getting from the Browns for Deshaun Watson is going to be better than the pick Arizona got from the Texans for Will Anderson Jr. And all those people seem to forget they still had a one and a four coming to complete the Watson trade. Yeah, no, that's that's big time. Our man uh, Ike, he calls you the GOAT. He loves him some John McClain and thank you, Ike. 
and Ike um, said, "Isn't Mark Andrews set to be back?" No, and Mark no, Andrews he's, will he's not, not be activated. He's not ready. Yeah, well, their tight end will be Isaiah Likely and Charlie, uh, the tight end from uh, Iowa, Kohler. Kohler, Kohler, Kohler. He's pretty good too. They because they like to utilize the tight ends. They have three, and uh, so, but Likely's been pretty good. So they got enough weapons around there. Yeah, that's the favorite target for uh, Lamar Jackson. But they've been beating some big time teams by big time margins without Mark Andrews. John, I want to ask you about the Texans' defensive line because you don't have the kind of defense that the Texans have been playing without guys up front. And you mentioned Will Anderson Jr. You got Malik Collins, former Cowboy, uh, Sheldon Rankins, um, and Jonathan Greenard. Grenard. Grenard, sorry. Um, right. Talk about that defensive line and, and what they've been able to do. D'Amico coming from San Francisco where all their number ones are invested in the defensive line. They don't have a one or two invested in their back end. They take linebackers like Fred Warner and uh, Dre Greenlaw, and they develop them. The corner's not high picks. They develop them. And it's all about pressure, stopping the run, and then getting pressure from the four-man front. They primarily rush from a four-man front most of the time they will when they they'll blitz every once in a while. They play as a lot of zone coverage. If it's Derek Stingley sticking to a receiver like Amari Cooper, they'll let him play man. And their front, it's amazing to me. Bernard's in the last year of his contract. He had 12 and a half sacks. Then he pulled a, had an ankle injury, missed two games, came back, hadn't had a sack in a while. And then uh Will Anderson Jr. had seven sacks, which is the team record. Uh, it's funny because that was more than J.J. Watt, Mario Williams, and Jadavion Clowney had when they were rookies. And based on what we've seen, we all expect him to be double digits from now on because he's such a terrific rusher. And he had the third most pressures in the league behind uh, uh, Miles Garrett and Micah Parsons had more than uh, Crosby at Oakland. And he's really good against the run. So is Grenard. And, John, and Sheldon Rankins and Malik Collins are really good against the run. So that's what has been first and foremost. That's why I think their first-round pick, which will come from uh, Cleveland, will be used on a defensive lineman. I see a lot of people picking a receiver, but I'm going by what D'Amico talks about all the time and what the 49ers do, and that's where he came from, and they've had a lot of success. You know, they'll get – former defensive, they'll get former number one picks from other teams and bring them in because they believe so uh, hard-heartedly that it all starts up front. So they've been good against the run. They've been good against the pass. And uh, especially Grenard and uh, Will Anderson Jr. And had both of those guys been healthy all season, uh, I know they would have more. And Sheldon Rankins missed one game. Malik Collins missed one. But by and large, the defensive line's been pretty healthy. Uh, the linebackers have had two, Blake Cashman and Christian Harris, who've been really healthy and played real well. Uh, it's the first time Blake Cashman has been healthy for a season. And then Christian Harris, who struggled in coverage early, all of a sudden has gotten to be real good. I don't know if you guys saw this. I just saw it yesterday. It was online. It came from NFL Films. And before Christian Harris had a pick six of 30, 
think it's 37 yards in the game against the Browns. D'Amico is, is grabbing him by the shoulder pad and telling him, they're going to do this, and when they do it, I want you to step in front of that receiver because Flacco's going to throw it to him, and you're going to catch this one And because he dropped another one in a couple of games before that, and you're going to catch it, and you're going to score. And that's exactly what happened. I couldn't believe it. And people are saying, well, that is great coaching. Yeah, yeah I saw up. that clip. That was absolutely awesome when they, they were all mic'd up. But, you know, another player who's definitely stood out as of late is Nico Collins, John. And these first two years with the Texans, he struggled. But here in year three, and obviously a lot of that has to do with C.J. Stroud. I mean, with no Tank Dell, no Noah Brown, Nico Collins has been C.J. Stroud's number one man. Zay, he's 6'4", and he's 220, and he's really strong. Now, he flashed in training camp, in practice, in off-season pro- program his first two years, and we think, man, this kid's ready to take off. And then he get hurt. And so this year, when he's in line for an extension, he and Stroud have hooked up and been incredible. We like to think, well, my goodness, if Tank Dell's back next year, and I think they'll use like a second or third round pick on another receiver who can run like crazy because it's a really talented and deep draft in wide receivers. You'll get a three that would have been a two in another year and vice versa. And and I think uh, uh, when I think of what they could do, and it's for whatever reason, Nico's been hard for defenses to take out, even though he's the main guy. You know, there's some times in these last two games, and we kind of count the Indy game like a playoff game. They had to win it. They had to win in Indianapolis to make the playoffs, and they did. And then they had to win the next one, of course, uh, to uh, uh, to win the division. So I think that uh, the uh, Nico goes to some areas kind of pre-designed or when Nico sees Stroud under pressure, they have a predetermined place he's going and Stroud throws the ball to that spot. If it's open, there's, he's made two diving catches in each of the last two games. And people are like, well, where is he? Oh, that's what he was doing. And it's between the two of them that figured that out. And it's a beautiful thing to see. And I would imagine the Ravens because they have that great defense and it would help them if Minka Fitzpatrick had been healthy to cover Nico, but they got to double him. You know, you've got to double him. You're not going to waste Kyle Hamilton, their great safety and coverage. They're going to have him in the middle of the field. They're going to have him up close to the line of scrimmage. So you're going to have to have the other safety and a corner trying to cover Nico Collins. And maybe they'll take him out of it in that Cleveland game where the Browns shut him down. They limited him to 18 yards. Then he came back and bashed him. And I don't know what they did that was different. Well, I can't wait for that one. That's going to be uh, absolutely uh, unbelievable. Uh, the night game tomorrow night, Green Bay at San Francisco. John, the Packers went into AT&T Stadium and undressed the Cowboys. Dak Prescott looked like the same old playoff Dak. Your thoughts? I thought the Cowboys would blow them out as they'd been doing most teams there. I thought, okay, first touchdown, that's one thing. Second touchdown, all right, Cowboys need a touchdown. Third touchdown, I'm like, oh, my God, not again. Nobody could have envisioned a loss being that thorough. 
Dan Quinn, worst coaching job I've ever seen Dan Quinn do. I likened it. You turn the lights on and roaches all run in the opposite direction and with no rhyme or reason. That's what it looked like the Cowboys were doing on defense. And then Dak, you don't know if it's a confidence factor. You don't know if it's a coaching factor. But they could go 17-0 and next year, and people are still not going to trust them in the playoffs until they prove it. Now, if I'm Jerry Jones, would I fire him? No, I wouldn't. And not after winning 12 games three years in a row. And you had a game which they were obvious flat, obviously flat, they took the Packers lightly, and the Packers stuck it where the sun don't shine, and they got a whole offseason to think about it. But they've got to get mentally tougher. They don't need to get physically tougher. They need to get mentally tougher and not wilt in those big moments like they've done. And people are going to be so skeptical of the Cowboys. And as far as the Packers, now I think the 49ers will beat them thoroughly, even though Jordan Love is the – the young gun in the NFC and CJ Stroud is in the AFC. 49ers are really good. They're on a mission. They want to play the Ravens again in the Super Bowl. And they don't want to be embarrassed again by the Ravens as they were at Levi Stadium during late in the season. So uh, I, you know, I think the Texans are going to lose and I think the Packers are going to lose. And then, of course, I think the Lions are going to win. And then Buffalo and KC to me is the game of the weekend. And I think Buffalo is going to revenge is going to be sweet. <laughs> John, Bill Belichick, he's been taking the interviews and it looks like he's going to find a spot that's not New England, which is going to be weird to not see him wear that Patriots blue. Where do you think is the best fit for Bill at this stage of his career? I thought originally, Zay, that it would be Washington. Because he grew up, his dad coaching at Navy in Annapolis. Uh, he's a really big historical guy. World War II, Civil War. It just seems like a natural fit. But I don't even know if they've interviewed him. And one of the problems with a commander's job is the owner, Josh Harris, who, who owns the Sixers. And he's brought in uh, Bob Myers from Golden State working for him. He's got Magic Johnson as a minor partner. And after games, Magic's tweeting about his team being bad. And then Josh Harris said, I want input from my minor partners. And that's the last thing you want input from. And so that's kind of like, and then they hired Adam Peters from the 49ers as GM. And I hope he got a lot of things in writing because that's a lot of cooks in the kitchen. If all those people don't stay out of it and leave Adam Peters alone, then he's made a big mistake. So I just think, Bill Belichick's wary of going there with all those people supposedly being involved, where if you go to Atlanta, you got Rich McKay, the president, longtime general manager, but he stays out of personnel. He's supposed to. And then you got uh, Terry Fontenot as the GM. He wasn't even in the original meeting with uh, Arthur Blank, the owner, and Rich McKay. That doesn't bode well for him. So if he stays, he's going to be a personnel guy. But they would, with Bijan Robinson and Tyler Algiers, they got the best set of running backs. I thought Vrabel would be perfect for them because he loves to run the ball. They got a line, they got a defense, they got some skill position players. They're just missing that one little position. But they're at ninth in the draft. They could draft one of the young guys or they could trade up because they got everything. So I can understand why he wants to go there. A, a no, no pressure. No pressure from the media. 
and an owner who is more considered one of the NFL's best. So I'm thinking he's going to the Falcons. Okay. I love how Zay just glossed over my Lions. John, your uh, your thoughts on that Rams-Lions game was the only good said, playoff I game. I just said something about the Lions. Okay, I'm, well, let's, I think let's dive Lions, in a little bit deeper. They're destined for the NFC Championship game at Santa Clara. You know, they're a lot of fun to watch. A lot of people uh, have become Lions fans if their team's out of it just because it's been such a long, long, long wait. Right. They show, showing that guy, it's like 129 years old, and he went to the championship games under Buddy Parker in the 50s and and uh, when the Lions were actually really good and a late team back then, won one playoff game since. He's like that sister, what's her name? Sorry, that sister, uh, Sister Jean, was that her name? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. He's like oh, the yeah, sister. Chicago. Yeah, he's like Sister Jean. He's gonna get he's gonna get a lot of pub as long as they're in it. And I think they're gonna be in it another week. They got great balance. They got a good passing game. They got a good defense. Something I wonder about, we'll never know the answer to this. Bobby Sloak of the Texans doing a lot of interviews when it's legal. Zoom. Ben Johnson and Aaron Glenn from the Lions doing a lot of interviews by Zoom. Now they're not gonna do it in the middle of the day when they're supposed to be working on their game plans and practice. But after you've done three or four of those interviews, it seems like it would be so repetitive. And it's somehow in your mind, it has to be distraction. And people say, well, you have to do it. What's the alternative? And I've thought, and others have recommended this, put it, nobody can interview anybody after the draft. Everybody starts, I'm, I'm sorry, after the Super Bowl. Everybody starts at the same time. They go, oh, whoa, the combine is in. Well, why can't you move back to combine? Why can't you move the draft back to the end of May instead of April? You can. You can You can move everything back if you want to. And that, to me, would be it would help overcome the inequities of winning when you're trying to become a head coach. And if the team loses, say Detroit loses, there's going to be people chip and say, oh, that's because Ben Johnson and Aaron Glenn were doing interviews. They were distracted if the defense is bad. Aaron Glenn was distracted by the interviews. And I don't like the way it is. A lot of people don't. But they don't know exactly what to do because nobody's talked, for whatever reason, about putting back the combine in the draft. Yeah, that's that's what everyone's saying about Dan Quinn and that Dallas defense. They sure looked like they hadn't practiced. I mean, that was that was crazy. Um, all right, that leaves us with the Chiefs and the Bills. I think it's unbelievable that Patrick Mahomes is playing his first playoff game uh, outside, away from Arrowhead Stadium. And uh, it's pretty am- amazing run he and Andy Reid have had. That playoff game two years ago between Buffalo and Kansas City is as good as I've seen. Overtime, Chiefs get the ball, touchdown, game's over. They changed the rules so the other team could get it because Josh Allen got left out. Now they're going to Buffalo. Bills have a lot of injuries. But those fans are like the Lions fans. You know, they're hungry. They want to be a factor. They want to be able to say, we influence the game. And uh, so I think, you know, no telling what they'll be saying about Taylor Swift if she goes. But I think Buffalo's a team of destiny, just like I think the Lions 
or a team of destiny. God wants those teams to win. Now, Buffalo, it hadn't been long. You know, Buffalo hasn't suffered anywhere, any way close to the way the Lions fans have suffered. And so I do think that uh, those two fan bases, as opposed to, say, the Chiefs have been spoiled, the Ravens have been spoiled, Texans haven't been in a position to be spoiled, and then the 49ers, they win every year. So it wouldn't bother me if the Lions are playing Buffalo in the Super Bowl. Even I think that would be incredible. Yeah. Last one for me, John. The Philadelphia Eagles also put on a very poor performance against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And those last seven games were just sad, man. When you talk about Jalen Hurts and just how he seemed like he lost the locker room and Nick Sirianni seemed like he did too. Where do they go from here? Well, they should not fire Sirianni. And I'll tell you something a longtime quarterback coach told me early in the season. He, and when the Eagles were doing well, he said the thing that Shane Steichen did the best for Hertz, he didn't ask him to do too much. He he had a system, and his play calls were things that didn't too, put, put too much on Hertz, didn't make him make a bunch of decisions, took, took advantage of his athleticism, his arm, his leadership, and he looked great. Now, Brian Johnson, the new coordinator, was on that staff, but they were asking Jalen Hurts to do a lot more than he did, and he couldn't handle it. And it didn't help that he couldn't run the ball. The offensive line, which was real good, wasn't very good. Defensive line early on was the best in the NFL, and it fell apart. But uh, I don't know if they're going to make Sirianni get new coordinators. The disaster on defense, it couldn't have been worse for them. And uh, maybe they need somebody else calling the plays or somebody, quarterback coach, who understands that you don't put too much on Jalen Hurts' plate. John, great stuff. Thank you. Thank you very much. to do it again. Get over to sportsradio610.com to read John's columns. He's got a great one up, I mean several up, about the Texans heading into their playoff game tomorrow against the Baltimore Ravens. Great stuff, John. Let's do it again next week. And everything that I do is on Twitter at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. Guys, thank you very much as always. Bad luck to the Longhorns against the Bears. Oh, that's right. right. There he is. There he is. Proud Baylor alum, John McLean, dropping a little nugget there. On the Texas Baylor basketball game tomorrow at 11. Thank you for scheduling that at 11 so that it's over in time for right. NFL playoff football Texans first up at three 30. Um, all right, before we get to the chip shot, let me, uh, let me give some love to um, salt traders, coastal cooking. Oh, this is the place to go get uh, just incredible seafood. I mean, unbelievable fish um, specials every day. Oysters every which away. I mean, oysters from all over. You pick them. They've got dollar oysters during happy hour. Um, they've got grilled oysters on the beginnings menu that will, you get $5 off beginnings menu during happy hour. So from 3.30 to 6.30, just go order family style from Salt Traders Coastal Cooking. 
They got the New Orleans barbecue shrimp on that beginnings menu, the chowder fries, grilled oysters, as I mentioned, and just enjoy a great meal. Salt Traders at Zilker, right off Mopac, and of course, up in Round Rock from our man, Jack Gilmore, who gave you Jack Allen's Kitchen. This is his seafood restaurant. It is unbelievable. Salt Traders Coastal Cooking and Audiovisual Consultations. Our man, Tom McKay, avconsultations.com is the website. And whether you're looking for the big screen of your dreams, um, how about a new media room or surround sound, new lighting, electronic shades, surveillance, all of it is done by my man, uh, Tom McKay and AV Consultations. All you have to do is call 255-8678 and let Tom and his crew bring everything to you. You don't have to go out and do any shopping. He's going to bring you the best price. He's going to make sure it's all of it is installed impeccably. avconsultations.com. Just give him a call, 255-8678. All right, Zay. Chip shot today. Listen, Detroit Lions, this has been a it's been an unbelievable week. It's been a great season. I just don't want that I don't think there can be a letdown. But that energy in that building that was off the charts, the whole stadium chanting Jared Goff before the game, which mercifully lifted Jared Goff up. You didn't see any Dak Prescott playoff BS from Jared Goff. He completed his first 14 passes against his old team. And there was, there was a lot of emotion, a lot of emotion, but Hey, just because you beat Tampa, I was there. I was in Raymond James stadium. It was a 20 to six thorough domination by the lions. This week is for a trip to the NFC Championship game. Dan Campbell, it's time to bite some kneecaps, get after those Buccaneers. Bobby, I mean, Bobby Slowick, I'm giving love to the Texans offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson. It's time to get after that, uh, that Tampa defense and let's go get it. Let's go get it. And Packers, you take care of the 49ers. Actually, almost, I'm almost, I'm almost, well, that would be unbelievable. That would mean. <laughs> yeah. You about to go Charles Barkley and guarantee it? I mean, I'm, I'm definitely taking the Packers to cover the nine and a half. Okay. I'll tell you that. Okay. Like, come on. Dang. You're trying to keep our homie John Brown in Detroit for another week. That yeah, dude, John yeah. Brown said the weather's so bad. I'll take my son having to deal with Nick Bosa and having to deal with you know Fred Warner just to get out the weather. That's, that's John, terrible. man. He's something else. That's cold blooded. Yeah, that's cold blooded, man. We I, have to. I'm cheering like crazy for the Packers. I'm cheering like crazy for the Texans, and I'm cheering like crazy for the Lions. So. I'm just thankful for everything that's happened up to this point. But let's not get satisfied, Lions Nation. The roar of 84. The roar of 2004 for the Pistons. How about the roar 
of 24 for these Lions. Let's go. Wow. I like the math. You like that? I like it. Yeah. Yeah. That fits. The roar of 84 for the Tigers when they won the World Series. The roar of 04 for the Pistons last time they won an NBA World Championship. How about the roar of 24 for these Lions? Man. Yeah, I'm with it. I'm with it, man, because – I mean, Tampa Bay, they're quietly scary. You know, they got nothing to lose. And right now, Baker Mayfield's playing with all the confidence in the world. And the rest of those guys, a lot of them were on that Tom Brady Super Bowl team. So they've been here before. They know what to expect. You look at somebody like Devin White or Vita Vea or Antoine Winfield Jr., who's had a hell of a season this year. And I know he's made his pops proud. And then on the other side, Mike Evans, who is breaking records and going to Canton, you know, five years after he retires and Chris Godwin like a lot of experienced guys that have played in big time games before and as crazy as the environment is at Ford Field which $1,100 for a ticket chip really really weren't y'all like it's one of the poorest cities like the U.S. at one point in time and we're out here charging $1,100 people are getting their heat turned off to afford these tickets One of the coldest winters going in Michigan. David Montgomery said that he was getting gas somewhere and an old lady walked up to him bawling, just bawling, and hugged him and thanked him for the win against the Rams. Like, y'all, it's been a long time coming. If you don't think that sports are the front porch of your university and the front porch of your city, then you're not paying attention. I mean, I'm sure most of the people listening to the sound of our voices understand that because they're sports fans, but for the casual fan who are just listening to us, because we have such incredible personalities and they find us so amazingly compelling. They just can't turn our voices off. It's, it's real. Sports teams are the front porch of your city and the lions are giving life to a city. That's just been a punching bag. So I, uh, I'm thankful as well. I'm thankful. Let's get to the right call with my man. Zay Collier before we get to the picks. We already talked about the Texas basketball team. So the right call, we're getting back to the pettiness, but before that, Got to shout out Covert BK, the Covert Automotive Group that has been family owned for over a hundred years. And they've been doing it just like LL Cool J said back in the day, doing it and doing it well. And they have seven terrific brands to choose from. Dodge, Chrysler, Cadillac, GMC, Buick, Jeep, and Ram. You're going to find what you want at Covert BK, the beautiful 42 acres down at the hill country. Man, it makes that drive worthwhile because a lot of y'all, hey, it's been tough with this cold. That car don't run the same like it did back in 04. And if you driving anything that you had back in 04 and you out here talking about it's a classic, nah, it's not a classic. It's just old. So, hey, get something better. Go to Covert B Cave. They'll hook you up. Go to CovertBCave.com. You'll see all the latest specials and inventory. Nobody beats a Covert deal. Not now. Not ever. 
All right, Chip. Well, we're going back to the pettiness because Texas basketball, they got their love today. And, yeah, I got to talk about something just absolutely hilarious to me. It's a cute story, but also it makes you think a little bit, you know. And here it is. So we know Philadelphia Eagles got the ass whooped against Tampa Bay, 32-9, embarrassment. We just had John on. He talked about, you know, Ben Johnson, new offensive coordinator, and Jalen Hurts, and both of those guys just not really, you know, having that chemistry that Shane Steichen had the year prior. And a lot of Eagles fans are salty. I get it, but y'all still have Nick Foles. Like, y'all ain't in the Cowboy situation. Don't get it mixed up. Like, Eagles fans, they're just – They're just Philly fans. Like, they just have a weird hatred. And you just mentioned, like, sports rule the city. Like, the Eagles fans and Philadelphia fans, they couldn't be more of an example. But I saw this the other day. Jason Kelsey, who had to go on his podcast with his brother Travis and kind of just talk about how he's not retiring because reports came out right after that game that he probably was, and he's still kind of thinking it out and just kind of taking it day by day. Well, after that game, Chip, where everybody gets back in Philly and you're cleaning out your locker and stuff, Jason Kelsey, which Hall of Famer, great guy. He's hilarious. I heard his Amazon special is terrific too. I don't think they talk about Travis as much. I want to say it's more about Jason, but we're going bootleg here. As you see, this lovely lady, she works at McDonald's and she is holding one of the throwback Eagles jerseys of Jason Kelsey and he signed it for her. Why you're asking? Well, Jason Kelsey apparently goes to McDonald's every morning before he hits the facilities. Now, look, McDonald's breakfast slams. I'm not going to even try the front to you people. McDonald's lunch and stuff, that's where it could get a little, it would get a little sus. But the breakfast, on point. Egg McMuffins, McGriddles, ask for some extra syrup so you could dip that McGriddle. The hash browns, even though the hash browns probably around $3 now, inflation's hit it crazy. It used to be like a dollar. Still crazy, hot cakes and sausage. McDonald's breakfast on point. So I feel you, Jason. But if I'm an Eagles fan, and again, Jason Kelsey is a Hall of Famer. So in a way, he could do certain things. But if that's your captain, your leader, and he's going to McDonald's every day, what's the dude that's number 52 on the 53-man roster? What's he doing? Because I we, we shouldn't be eating McDonald's. At all. Like, as much as it slams, like Jason Kelly, and he's a lineman, so you kind of give him the benefit of the doubt. Like, linemen, their diet is different than what A.J. Brown's diet is or, you know, Jalen Hurts' diet. Like, they're not going to do the TB12 Tom Brady, you know, drinking out of that weird, you know, mixed water that he had. Like, linemen, they, they're not going to go that rigorous. But McDonald's, though, that's that's not good. Again, you just got your ass whooped. You're, you know what I'm saying? Like, we might have to go on a different diet now. Just to set an example. Like, Jason Kelsey, I love you. Again, the podcast is terrific. You're a Hall of Famer, one of the greatest centers of all time. He's undersized. They're the, they're the best 
brother duo in NFL history because both of them at their respective positions are Hall of Famers, him and Travis. So I, I love what he brings to the table. But also, you're the captain of the team. So if I'm looking at, if I'm a rookie coming in and I'm seeing, oh, one of the guys that has a lot of respect and a lot of credit in the locker room goes to McDonald's every day, what am I going to eat then? You know what I'm saying? Like if I'm an Eagles fan, I get it. We love Jason Kelsey, but yo, he ain't getting no salad. Somebody said on the code of text line, you know, Jason Kelsey ain't getting no salad. He getting that big breakfast with the eggs and the bacon and the little sausage patties and the griddles and biscuit sandwiches, like he going all out. So I cool. It's a cool story. I'm glad that he gave, you know, he sees that cashier every day. He gave her some, you know, merch and signed it for her. She's probably a big Eagles fan. That's cute and all, but you shouldn't be at McDonald's in the first place, Jason. Like I, I, if y'all win the Super Bowl, cool. Go to McDonald's every day. But the way that they looked the last half of the season from December to now, nah, we, we got to figure something out. Like, you got chefs, <laughs> you know? There's chefs at the arena. There's a cafeteria at your facilities. Like, they're, they're making breakfast for you. And this dude's still going to McDonald's? That's wild, Chip. That's, that's, a wild, that's wild to me, man. But also, again... That down to earth. That's why we relate to Jason Kelsey because he's like an everyday American citizen. You know, everybody kind of has their rituals every single day, their routine. If this is his, I wouldn't recommend it for a professional football player, but it, it's relatable. So I guess he's like, I he's like Warren job. Buffett. Warren Buffett goes to McDonald's every morning on his way to making billions of dollars. Wow. Hey. Or Adam Wagner. I think at lunch he eats McDonald's every day. McDonald's or Taco Bell. He was telling me that when we were at Moonshine for our hey. Sports Unfiltered Christmas. Like, hey. But, Bill, but Adam Wagner ain't playing 100 snaps a game either. Bill Snyder, the head coach, former head football coach at Kansas State, said he used to go to Taco Bell like around – midnight when he was leaving the office and that was like his only meal of the day taco bell see we <laughs> that was like the best radio interview i ever did with bill snyder because we got that out of him and i was like sold like everyone all his players would talk about how bill snyder was never at the team meals and i mentioned that to him and he's like well i usually i don't really eat much if I do, I might run by Taco Bell on the way home at like midnight. I'm like, Bill Snyder's making a run to the border. This is news. But anyway. Yeah. All right. You ready to make some picks? Yeah, let's do it, man. Tyler, I get what you're saying. You're absolutely right. Those guys, they have to maintain a certain way, so they have to eat certain foods. But you got to find something better than McDonald's, though. Come on now. Yeah. <laughs> That's the John Brown talks about eating dirty. If you are lifting and you are in, in weight gain mode, he talks about eating dirty and eating that protein and, you know, eat get your carbs as many as you want and then take cane protein as your protein. You'll put on the muscle. But, um, yeah, that's if you're in weight gain mode. For us who are trying to keep it, trying to bring sexy back, uh, we got to be careful with that. But yeah. 
Zay, you were red hot last week, five and one in your picks in the NFL. I was one and five. I feel like you should have to go first this week. Yeah, man. Where do you want me to go first? I'll go first. I will go first. Let's get it. Uh, it's one of my favorite weekends of the year. Um, gosh, man. I the Texans Ravens game. I want Lamar Jackson to do well so bad just because I hate the stigma on him. You know, I just a lot of people, old girl talking about he's not quarterbacky enough for me and stuff like just the haters out there. I, I want Lamar to shut them up, but what D'Amico Ryans and C.J. Stroud are doing, it's been special, and I don't want to see that in either. So nine points, that seems a little high for a team. Nine that, and a half, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that seems a little high for a squad that, you know, sat out their best players in week 18 and then obviously sat out due to the bye. So I'm going to take the points. I don't think the Texans are going to win. It might be a field goal game where the greatest field goal kicker of all time, Justin Tucker, does his thing per usual. But, yeah, CJ Stroud and those guys, they're rolling in with a lot of confidence. And, again, the fact that they have nothing to lose is a big deal for me while Baltimore has everything to lose. So they might come out, you know, like Jerry Rice's braids during the Raiders era, a little tight. (laughs) And – um. Yeah, it might be a slobber knocker come fourth quarter. I'm going to take Texans with the points. Yeah, I'm. I'm right there with you. I love the Texans defense as much as I love this unbelievable job by C.J. Stroud after losing Tank Dell and Noah Brown to find Nico Collins over and over again. You know, he has connected on 15 of 16 targets the last two games. C.J. Stroud and Nico Collins have connected on 15 of 16 targets. And the dude is averaging um, 18 and a half yards per reception on those 15 receptions out of 16 targets he's averaging 18 and a half yards per reception let that sink in that's magical stuff now obviously we'll see what the ravens pass defense looks like but yeah it was mentioned in here in our comments that there were two starting offensive linemen for the texans missing from that game against baltimore at the beginning of the year, two starters were out and they're back. So I'm taking the Texans to cover the nine and a half. I'm taking the Texans to win, baby. Shock the world. Shock the world. Let's go. Shock the world. Right. Yo, Joe, Nico Collins does run angry. Yeah. Hell yeah. I didn't yeah, know he, was- got, he got that angry run scepter from the Good morning, football crew on NFL Network. That guy, Kyle Brandt, he gives oh, out the yeah, Angry Brandt's Run yeah. Award. Yeah. Gave it to Nico. I didn't know when John told us he was 220, I didn't know he was that big. 
That's huge, man. 6'4", 220? I thought he was like a 205 guy. You know, that's that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, him and C.J. Yeah. Stroud, they got it going. All right, what we got next? Green Bay and San Fran. <sighs> Again, another team with nothing to lose. Like Brock Purdy, he should be pissed off, you know, from last year. In San Fran, if you didn't have that UCL injury, what could have been? You always wonder about that. So is Brock Purdy gonna come in with that mindset like, hey, I gotta, I gotta take over this game, get it to my weapons like he's done all year long to put them in this situation? Are they gonna give it to McCaffrey a lot? I know Green Bay is gonna give it to Aaron Jones a lot just to keep that very high flying, you know, San Fran offense off the field, but Jordan Love, is it, was it just Dak Prescott? That's the thing. Was it just Dak Prescott being playoff Dak Prescott that gave Jordan Love and the Packers just extra oomph, you know, motivation to where they're not going to carry that in the Bay? I don't know. A part of me feels that way. A part of me is just like, man, you just played the Cowboys, and it's the Cowboys in the playoffs, so you're going to benefit from that. But now – Kyle Shanahan, he don't play. Now all those guys that were banged up and stuff a lot during the season, they got another week to get healthy due to the bye. I can't even take the points here. But I, I'm going to – I got to go San Fran, like, all the way. I think this is going to be a double-digit game. Sorry, right. Jim. Sorry. So you've, you've got San Fran minus nine and a half. Yeah. I am – not playing along with that. I think Jordan Love is dialed into something, and Aaron Jones is running like a man possessed. And the best way to avoid the 49ers pass rush is to run it. So Aaron Jones, keep doing what you're doing, my man. And I'm going to take the Green Bay Packers who are just locked into something. Hopefully it's not like the flu or something. Um, but I'm going to take the Packers to cover the nine and a half and get to Brock Purdy, throw some interceptions, look like Brock Purdy. Packers. All right. All right. Let's do, let's save let's save your guys for last. So let let's jump ahead to Kansas City and Buffalo because I think we gotta save the best for last, right? Chiefs, let's do that. Yeah, <laughs> Chiefs going to that western part of New York. It's gonna be another cold one, but both teams played in the cold last weekend and looked good. Uh, Bills minus three and a half, right? I'm seeing minus three here on the Four Letter Network. What you got? Yeah, I got two and a half. You got two and a half? Ooh, okay. Um, Bills minus two and a half. I mean, it's it's just Patrick Mahomes. It's Patrick Mahomes, man. It's Patrick Mahomes in the postseason, like as bad as they played all year. And their offense still was kind of weird against the Dolphins. Like they had to settle for field goals. Way too many times, I bet, for Andy Reid's comfort. So, 
you know, they can't have those issues with Buffalo and Josh Allen, the way that they've been playing this last part of the season. Like he's playing with the most confidence that he's had in a long time, running for like 57 yard touchdowns and stuff. And he, I, I go back to that run ship because people are talking about him like fake slide and he didn't fake slide. Y'all ain't never seen no hesitation in basketball before. That was a hezzy. That was a little hezzy. He kind of slowed down. And then he picked up the speed again. Like, that's just crafty. That wasn't no Kenny Pickett fake slide stuff. Like, that dude changed speeds. So, I I think this is it for Kansas City, man. Like, Chris Jones, I think this is the last game for him. This is his last hoorah with the Chiefs. You know, Taylor's going to be there and stuff. And plus, I'm still kind of bitter of that whack-ass swag surf that they had last week. That was tough. They they just completely disrespected the swag surf with Mama Kelsey and Taylor Swift. So I'm going with Buffalo, man. Okay. You and I, you and I see eye to eye on this one. This is not going to get any easier for the Chiefs. Now, the Chiefs' defense has been the uns, unsung hero of that Kansas city team, the chiefs defense gives me hesitation, but James cook has been awesome. I think Josh Allen can survive just throwing it to his tight ends. He doesn't have to worry about crazy old Stefan Diggs. Um, He's not going to have Gabe Davis. So I think Buffalo Gets it done. I think Patrick Mahomes. I mean, remember, this was the game where one of the greatest plays of the season got negated because Kadarius Tony lined up offsides. They played at Arrowhead. Mahomes is trying to lead Kansas City to a last second comeback touchdown. He hits Travis Kelsey. Kelsey spots Kadarius Tony wide open. He throws a half the field lateral back to Kadarius to Kadarius Tony, who scores, but the whole play was negated. Remember, Patrick Mahomes lost his mind after the game. Was still bitching about it with Josh Allen. I don't think it gets better. I think the Bills win this. Bills minus two and a half. Unfortunately, we agree on that. But jump through the table, baby. Jump through that damn table. All right, are you oh, gonna? Man. You know what I'm picking. I know what you're picking. I'm picking the Lions, even though there's a part of me that thinks there could be a little letdown and maybe they only win by three. I got to pick them to cover. I got to pick them to to go into the NFC Championship game with a roar. So I'm picking the Lions minus six and a half. Ooh. Yeah, that's a lot of points. Um you know, I was watching that mic'd up special and they were obviously showing the Buccaneers game and Baker for that pass to Chris Godwin during the center of the field and it kind of iced the game against Philadelphia. And Baker, obviously, he was just hysterical when he was celebrating, ah, going down the field and shit. And this dude says, he's down there somewhere. He's down there somewhere. And I go... There it is. As good as Baker Mayfield is, he has that Brett Favre venom, not the good Favre either, to where you think you can make every throw 
You don't give a damn what's going on. And you just think that it's going to fit in that gap or fit in that hole. Pause. <laughs> and I don't think he could do that against Detroit. I, I don't think he can. And it's good. And, you know, I named all those players that are part of the Super Bowl team earlier and Vita Vea and Davis and, you know, Winfield Jr. But I just, what's going on in Detroit? You, you've seen it, Chip. It's special, man. And I think those fans, they're going to be as rowdy as ever. I think, you know, Gibbs and Montgomery just having that complimentary balanced offense to where it allows Jared Goff to get in the play action and make those throws to Amon Ross, St. Brown, and Reynolds and Laporta. Like Detroit has one of the most stacked, underrated offenses and weapons like in the league. So there's so many things that you got to worry about. Again, with Amira, he's always moving in motion. I, The Rams are better than Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay was in a weak NFC South. Yes, they're rolling right now. Yes, Baker looks good. But I think that's going to come back to Hanlon in this game. I'm going to take the lines with the points. Yeah, just like my man Chip Brown. Let's go, he's, let's go. He's worn Lions gear every day. Who didn't watch the Amara St. Brown jersey from Tuesday to Wednesday because he was so turned up? You deserve this, man. You deserve it. I hope you keep riding. I appreciate that. And we'll turn it over to uh to uh Jeff Barker and uh, and Trey here in a second. But when I was at the Detroit Tampa game. Aiden Hutchinson was, he had an ankle injury and he was not effective rushing the passer. And Aiden Hutchinson is healthy. That dude is getting after people. And I think that's going to be a big part of this too. So Aiden Hutchinson showed up in that playoff win and they needed him to. Because Matt Stafford was dealing. So, yeah, I'm going to yeah. trust that, that this team will not freaking let down in the playoffs. Yeah, you sometimes you never know at the end of the day with, you know, these very high draft picks. I mean, the Texans, they could tell you about Mario Williams and what he wasn't as the number one pick, what they thought the edge rusher that he was going to be. And you bring in Aiden Hutchinson, and you're like, ah, we see it at Michigan, but is it going to translate to the league? It, his motor allows it to translate to the league. And his bend and just his flexibility at that spot, you know, like he's so athletic, man. I Every time I watch him play, I'm like, damn, he's way more athletic than I thought. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if you gave him a basketball, he'd throw down some pretty nasty stuff. Like, he's one of those dudes to where he'll probably could play any sport. He could probably go out to the diamond right now, and you gave him a slow pitch, you know, one of those rookie of the year underhand pitches, and he'll knock it, you know, 300-and-something yards for a home run. Like, he's one of those guys. And, again, just his motor, you know, he has that face paint, over the eye and stuff. Like he looks like a warrior out there. And he in the fact that he's a Michigan dude, Chip, like he has that pride with him too. 
Like you love that type of stuff. Like when you're from that state, so you could feel the pain that Lions fans have had. And once you get to that franchise, you want to completely change that. Because you've seen that your whole life growing up. He's never lived anywhere outside of Michigan. <laughs> he's just that he's never lived anywhere outside of Michigan his whole life. All he's seen is Michigan. He's just been in cold his whole life, which is brutal if you're coming from my point of view. But he hey, that's good living for him and his family with his fine ass sisters. That's oof. Wow. Why wow, that's and mama. Aiden. Wow. Well done there. I, I love Come when on. they show them. I love when they show it. They always do, too. They know what they're doing. In the NFL, they know what they're doing. With Taylor Swift and stuff, they always show the Hutchinson, and then they try to, you know, play it off like, yeah, his dad was a big Michigan guy and this and that. Like, oh, we know what you're doing. Those three blondes over there who all look like they used to be Hugh Hefner's girlfriends back in the gap. We know what you're doing, and I, I'm with it. I'm with it. <laughs> yeah, so the better Aiden Hutchinson does, the more they going to show his fine-ass sisters and mama. Yeah, Aiden Hutchinson, get money, baby. See? It's like uh, when they – I don't know. Luca's mom, does Does she come to the games? Else, nah. I, th- I think she in Europe. Uh, yeah, they don't, yeah, they don't show her. <laughs> yeah, we saw her draft night, and that was it. We don't, we don't see Zach Wilson's mama no more either, which with the way he be playing, I wouldn't show my face much you know look i love baker love him loved him at lake travis got a little full of himself at ou but that's all right he he did you know he he's the walk-on turned heisman but yeah i'm okay if he gets uh turned into this week's joe flacco i'm good with that yeah right. that baker's hard to root against at this point you know i mean the whole sooner thing when it was easy to root against him when he was at the Red River shootout and he was on college game day with those guys. Oh, God, he was so annoying for obvious reasons. But when he does well, he represents that ATX pride, man. And every time he does well, oh, that's an ATX native right there. And then when he plays like shit, Trey and Bar- uh, Barker, that's that sooner shit. <laughs> it's so easy to switch it up with Baker Mayfield. Does well, ATX plays like shit. Oh, he's a sooner. It makes sense. That's that's what we do on the local news too, Zay. We're not showing highlights when he has a bad game. Where does that? Hey, uh, last week we showed some highlights. Where yeah. does that retaining wall highlight fall, Zay? I guess that's probably super shit, huh? Who? Where, uh, Baker Mayfield lost a uh, lost a battle with the retaining wall when uh, police were tackling him down. A little bit of both. Okay. All right. A little bit of both. Nice. Know? Nice digging into the archives yeah. right there, Trey. I'd forgotten about that. Oh, dude, it's an all-time highlight. Baker Mayfield had to have been feeling that one for a few days afterwards because that retaining wall, well, it's a retaining wall. It doesn't go anywhere. It did That's when he, like, just suddenly tried to sprint off away from cops. Yeah. Mm. Insult yeah. to injury for sure. Yeah, you're not in Lake Travis anymore, Baker. Get it together. That was one of those moments. That yeah. Entitled, entitled to shit. Yeah. He can make poor decisions like that this weekend. That's okay. I want to see that too. I'm worried though, Chip. I don't like this matchup for our guys. That's right. I'm going our guys with the Lions at this point. <laughs> Y'all gonna lose now, Chip. He's saying <laughs> our guys. Y'all have no chance now. <laughs> 
<laughs> wow. Hey, the first okay, time I ever went our guys with was the Houston Oilers, and look how that's turned out. Oh, shit. You're fucked, Jeb. Yeah. <laughs> okay, tell me why you don't have a good feeling. Because Tampa, they're good, they're decent defensively, but the thing that they do well on offense is a problem for the Lions. Hopefully the Lions can bend but not break like what was happening last weekend because they're going to give up yardage through the air. And so uh, that is concerning. I think it's going to be a tighter game than what it, I think it's a six and a half point line right now, but we'll see this lion's offense is obviously dynamic. The, that two headed beast at running back has really gotten it going. Goff and St. Brown uh, have a great rapport as the numbers bear out this year. Love what Josh Reynolds gave at the beginning of last week's game. I, this is the game that I'm looking forward to most this weekend. I know Buffalo, Kansas city is probably going to be close, but uh, lions and, and bucks should be a lot of fun. Yeah, well, and that's why I told Zay when I was at the Bucks Lions game in October in Tampa. Oh, that's right. Aiden Hutchinson had a ankle injury and he was not effective getting pressure. And I think he's healthy now. And I think that makes a difference. I mean, the guy's got 13 and a half sacks this year. He had two sacks last week. Yeah. He's he's possessed. And as Zay said, he's a Detroit guy. Cause you need guys to make sure the juice is still up and cause that was a big emotional win for Jared Goff last week. He might let down a little bit and you got, you got to have guys in the, I mean, Amon Ross St. Brown ain't letting up Aiden Hutchinson ain't letting up. So I think it's going to be so much fun and I'm pumped. I'm pumped for all these games. I'm pumped for the Texans. I think the Texans have a chance to shock the world tomorrow because they are they're good on defense. They got TJ Stroud throwing it to Nico Collins. And you got Dalton Schultz catching passes underneath. Devin Singletary. I mean, I'm I'm I think Green Bay's gonna make this thing interesting. All right. So it's my cue. It's my cue. We talk about Green Bay again. He praying for that Green Bay game. He pray, he right. praying we'll, for we'll get out of your hair. Have a great yeah, show, think- fellas. That's that's all Niners in that one, fellas. Yeah. <laughs> I love you guys. I have a great love you Tuesday. Have a great weekend, y'all. See y'all.